Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're about to experience a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, one church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church. Your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. Give online in our mobile app or text the word giving to 59769. Remember to love God, love people, and love life. Let's make our confession of faith together. I'm ready to hear, then do your word, which I'm about to receive, which makes all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Father, speak to us tonight with clarity and power. We need a word from you to be what you called us to be. What is that? The curse breaker. We are the curse breakers in our bloodline. We're the interruption to the dysfunction in our bloodline. We're the history makers in our bloodline. And tonight we declare prophetically restitution. It begins for us. Why? Because we have found the thief. And the Bible says he's got to repay sevenfold. And sevenfold means restitution. I need you to lift your hands and worship the Lord for about five seconds right there. That you're about to break every generational curse. Every single one of them ends with you. I need you worshiping across America and around the world. I need you worshiping like your whole family's about to be different because of you. I need us worshiping like you're not going to struggle with the same struggles, deal with the same issues, deal with the same trauma. Poverty won't be something you know. Struggle won't be something you know. Bad marriages won't be something you know. Bad relationships won't be something you know. Holla, I'm the curse breaker. Yes. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. 
Sometimes you just need to remind yourself that you already are the curse breaker. Can we tell the truth? There's a lot of stuff you gotta be, but let's tell the truth. There's a lot of stuff you've already beat. There's a lot of stuff you've already conquered. There's a lot of stuff you've already overcome. Shout it again, I'm the curse breaker. Let's go to work, y'all. So we're in this series, Summer Playlist, where we're taking secular songs each week and we're extracting spiritual principles for them. And in case you don't remember, here was Sundays. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go. Here's a new song. <laughs> so listen, I know some of you were shocked that I probably even knew that song. And I'll be honest, until I was playing in the series, I didn't know that song. All right. Uh, listen, so uh, we learned that in the chorus of that song, it says this. Gaslighter, denier, doing anything to get yourself farther. Gaslighter, big time. And here's what we spend our time repeating all the mistakes of your father. And I said this to us on Sunday. We are not supposed to repeat what we're supposed to be. S say, I will not repeat what I'm called to be. We learned on Sunday that there are three primary forms of sin in the Bible. The first is sin, which means to make a mistake. Literally, sin, think of it like an archery term. If you're headed for the bullseye and you miss the bullseye, you would holler out sin. Let's practice sin. Come on, everybody, let's practice sin. So every time I miss the mark or I make a mistake, what's a mistake? A mistake. What does that mean? I looked at it wrong, so I did the wrong thing. Often a lot of our sin comes because of bad perception. You did the wrong thing because you saw something that didn't exist. Let's go. You did the wrong thing because you saw something that really wasn't as bad as you thought it was. You ended up giving up, which was sin, and making a mistake because you didn't realize what you were facing was scared of you. Y'all ain't going to talk to me. Sin means to make a mistake. But then secondly, we've got transgression. To transgress means to willfully deviate from what we know to be correct. So to transgress means I knew it was wrong, but I did it anyhow. Transgression is more nefarious in nature because if I transgress, what I'm really saying is this. I'm saying I was big and bad and bold enough to dishonor and disrespect what I was told because I really thought I had a better way. And I tell you the danger of transgression is that lurking under transgression is pride. See, sin, you, you might not be knowledgeable of what you're doing. You might not be knowledgeable that you are, watch the, that you are entering a bad relationship. You might not be knowledgeable that the way you handle it is not the way to handle it. You might be knowledgeable that uh, disrespect is the way you handled it because that's how you saw things handled in your family. So you didn't even know you were dishonorable until you were taught you were dishonorable because you saw your mom and them do that. Y'all ain't talking to me. Transgression is more deep, though, because transgression means I knew not to do it, but something in me made me think that I could do it and get away with it anyhow. Is there anybody that's watching me right now? You can tell the truth, but there's been some moments you have transgressed. And when you look back, you say to yourself, what were you thinking? I knew better, but I did it anyhow. I had all the evidence, but I did it anyhow. I had red flags, green flags, blue flags, white flags, black flags, pink flags, polka dot flags, and I still ignored the flags because I thought I could change a grown person. Let's talk, y'all. I need you to lay your hands on yourself. Say, Lord, forgive me for transgression. Now, 
forgive me for thinking that I had the ability to disobey what I knew was right and do it anyway and think that I was going to get away with it. See, here's the danger of transgression. People may not catch you, but I need you to know that there's somebody greater than a human being that's watching you. I need you to open up your mouth and say, God's watching everything I do. And he's not watching you to be punitive. What does that mean? He's not watching you to beat you up and throw you down. He's watching you to see if you've learned the lesson so you can get promoted. And for some of you, I need you to hear me. Your next five will be perpetual promotion because your first seven were perpetual test. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me right there. For many of you, the reason that you can be excited about getting ready to thrive is because you've already dealt with every test that was scheduled for this year. You handle loneliness the right way. See, last year you would have called somebody. But this year you said, you know what? I'm not bringing nobody else over here. I'm going to learn how to love myself. See, you've already passed the test of stress. Stress came and tried to beat you down and throw you up and to treat you like trash. But you looked at your stress and you said, I will bless the Lord. When at all times and his praise shall what continually be in my mind. You've already passed the, te- passed the test of being a faithful giver. You had an opportunity to hold your seed back, but you said, Oh no, I'm putting my I'm putting my seed in the ground because I realize that my increase comes through my release. I need you to open your mouth and say, I passed some tests already. Sin transgression and then here's the third one iniquity say iniquity now iniquity is what we dealt with on Sunday it means to perpetuate what does that mean perpetuate keep it going 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 y'all remember when we had DVDs I had a VHS cassette if you if you follow me on Instagram I showed it to you yesterday and this choir that I really, really like. This, the way that man directed that choir, the way they sang, I'm telling you, it just, just singing, it just, just make, it's so good, it makes you want to just cuss. Spiritual cuss. Spiritual cuss. I don't mean literal cuss, I mean like, Jesus Christ. This is amazing. You got me? Now, now here's the, it, 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 it's, it's amazing. VHS. Now here's the thing. VHS, when you hit play, got it? It would play. It would go. The only way you went backwards is you had to hit rewind. And remember the previews on VHS? Once you got past the previews, they were over. Right? And when you would try to play your movie, you didn't go all the way back to the beginning because you didn't want to see the previews again. So you tried to figure out about how much you watched the little clock on the VCR to try to... No, uh-uh, no, let it say one minute and 43 seconds because that's when... That's when Home Alone won't be on there anymore. All right, here's the deal. But then we got DVD players. And when we got DVD players, here's what a DVD player would do. A DVD player would keep repeating itself over and over again at that entry point. You keep hearing that same music over and over again. Watch me, and it, watch me to the point to where it became background noise so you didn't even realize it was playing. Y'all gonna catch it in a minute. In fact, somebody had to walk in your house and say, you don't hear that DVD repeating like that? I, I remember I was having a conversation. I was having a conversation a, a couple years ago, and, and somebody had a DVD playing in the background, and it kept repeating, and it kept repeating, and kept repeating. And I said to myself, I, I said to myself, okay, I know I'm not the only one hearing this. I said to who I was speaking to, I said, you don't hear that DVD 
is repeating itself. They said, wow, I didn't even pay attention to it. That's how iniquity and generational curses work. They have been playing for so long, you don't even know it's wrong. They have been playing for so long, you didn't even realize that it needed to be stopped. How do I stop that thing from playing? Here it is, a repeating. I've got to hit play. What does that mean? A generational curse is a pause. You didn't hear what I just said. For many of you, your bloodline has been on pause for decades, on pause for generations. There's stuff God wanted to do, and God said, I can't do it because nobody will take me off a pause and hit play. Then you were born. And when you were born, the one in the bloodline that's going to hit. I need you to just prophetically act like you hitting play on a DVD player. Just bam. No, no, come on. I need you to do it with me. Why? You are prophesying to your life. I've been on pause for 14 years, on pause for 30 years. Come on, on pause for decades, whatever it's been for you. But tonight, you're pushing play. Let's go. So iniquity, iniquity, it means to perpetuate, go over and over and over again, generational sin and transgression, passing it down and around. So let's look at this. It means that I perpetuate the same mistakes. If you look at your bloodline, and I hope you did your homework. If you didn't do your homework, you did yourself a disservice. This isn't homework. You turn in. This is for your test. You see, say, I don't mind. Now watch. Here's what happens. If you perpetuate mistakes, eventually they become patterns. Perpetuated mistakes become patterns. If you look at your bloodline, you will notice, for some of you, you'll notice this. You'll notice that all of the women in your bloodline pick bad men to be with. Ain't now one of them picked a good one. Then you were born. For some of you, you look at your bloodline, you'll notice all of the men have a certain disposition, which is detached. Detached. Their idea of being a man is, I watch football on Sundays, I go to Roadhouse, get my four biscuits or four rolls, I get my ribeye steak with my mashed potatoes. And every time the family's doing something, I go away from the family. I'm detached from my family, yet I want them to respect me. I got the Holy Ghost. You're like Uncle Pete from Soul Food. You detach. You don't participate. You don't celebrate. You don't encourage. You just want to be respected because you the man. But yet you do nothing to contribute to the fam. It's quiet in here. For some of you, you will notice that everybody in your bloodline struggles with money. The ones that don't struggle with money are called bougie. And they think they all that. And you know you could help us out. They make you feel guilty for not being their bank. Y'all ain't gonna say nothing. They make you feel guilty for not co-signing on what they ain't gonna pay for. How you know they ain't gonna pay for it? They need a co-signer. Which means they didn't pay for their own when it was in their name. Ooh, I'm feeling real prophetic on tonight. Y'all ready? For some of you in your bloodlines, you will notice that there is hatred for certain types of people. It's coded language. We. The way we do this. 
them, they, them folks over there. For some of you will notice, come on, let's do the work, y'all. For some of you will notice in your bloodline that there is squandered time. Nobody's ready to live until it's too late to. You squander your 20s, squander your 30s, squander your 40s, squander your 50s, squander your 60s, and then come 70s. You're talking about, I'm about to live, child. And that's good. You better. Well, 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 well why do we have to wait? Jesus says, I am come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Implied in that is I've come that you might have life now. I need you to open up your mouth, please, and say, I will live right now. Come on, y'all. We're about to go to work. For, 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 for some of you, for some of you, which if you began to do your homework, you will notice that there is perpetual sin and transgression that's passed down and around. The same mistakes over and over again. Same mistakes over and over again. And for some of you, the reason there's such tension between you and your parents is because when they see you, they see themselves. And seeing you reminds them of their own failures and mistakes. That's why, can I preach now? I want to preach. That's why Jesse didn't invite David in the house um, when the Samuel was there to anoint a new king. David had a different mother than his brothers. And as a result of that, they were a blended family. Being a blended family, that's why David says, behold, I was shaped in iniquity and, and conceived in sin or conceived in iniquity and shaped in sin, depending on the version that you look at. Now, here's what's significant about that, guys. David says, I was literally shaped with sin and transgression that's passed down and around. Which explains then why David had a problem with faithfulness too. Which explains why Solomon couldn't have one wife. He needed a thousand, seven hundred wives and three hundred concubines, which are girlfriends on payroll. Y'all ain't gonna say nothing to me. But where is that in the bloodline? Well, if you study the bloodline, you'll also realize, uh, watch me, that Rahab's in that bloodline. So selling yourself for the highest bidder is also part of the bloodline. Y'all are quiet tonight. Oh, I need you to get ready, though, because we're about to break every single one of these generational curses that have been on your bloodline. Holler one time. I'm the curse breaker. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Passing it down and around. That means so and okay. It's okay. All right? Y'all need to read your Bibles. It's Hebrew. I'm just joking. So, look, David says, I'm past... I, I'm, I'm a perpetuation of generational sin and transgression that's passed down and around. So when Jesse, David's father, sees him, he looks at him and he sees all of his own mistakes. So watch me. He doesn't even want to see his son because seeing his son reminds him of what he's not. See, for some of you in your bloodlines, there's tension that nobody can explain where it came from. It's been like that for as long as you can remember. And the reason for that is because there's iniquity at work. And for some people, when they see you, they see what got passed down and around. But I need you to take this attitude. I'm going with the goers. And so if you want to break the curses with me, let's go. And if not, I'll see you when I see you. Be encouraged. Keep God first. 
So what does iniquity produce? Iniquity produces generational curses. Can I teach it to you? Generational curses are what? Destructive patterns of behavior that are passed down and around. Notice it's destructive, which means it doesn't work except to deconstruct. It doesn't work except to destroy. Now, to destroy something, that means something had to be built. Look at me. So here's how a curse works. It lets you do something, then it destroys what you did. See, a curse will let you do some stuff for a few years. Because to destroy, it had to allow you to first build. And for some of you, you're like, well, Bishop, I, I'm just trying to figure out what's going on because it seemed like two years are good and then, all, then it just goes to mess. And it seemed like a little while is good, then it goes to mess. Because the curse says it's not destruction unless there's something to destroy. So what it does is, is it allows you to build up, build up, gain and gather. And then all of a sudden that curse comes to do what? To visit. Did you catch that? So for those of you succeeding, I need you to hear me. You're the most vulnerable. For those of you flourishing, watch me, but you need to wave your hand and say, that's me. You're the most vulnerable because it's attacking what you've been building. And not just stuff, but the new version of you. See, you've worked for, watch me, you've worked for years to get to this place of peace. You've worked for years to get to this place of joy. You've worked for years to get to this place of confidence. You've worked for years to get to this place where God is first. So now generational curses show up and they come to visit. And when they visit, they come to destroy. But this year when you answer, you're going to say, you ain't coming up in my house. I need you to open up your mouth, please, and say, not in my house. Say it again, say not in my house. So listen, listen. So I told you, here it is, that they're listed in Deuteronomy 28. And I gave you several examples. You got to go look at Sunday's message. So here's what the curse does. After you've built something, accomplished something, made progress in something, a generational curse, look at what it does. It's in Numbers 14 and 18. The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving the iniquity and transgression, but he doesn't clear the guilty visiting. That's the operative word. Say visiting. So what a generational curse does is it comes to visit. Which is interesting because the curse doesn't come to stay. Because once it destroys, it leaves. There are certain people who have been assigned to you to destroy everything. Please listen to me. There are certain people that literally their whole reason for coming into your life is to picard you, to visit you, to destroy your self-esteem, to destroy your self-confidence. Come on. To destroy your relationship with you with Jesus to destroy everything you've been being taught. That's why for some of you, you can get in it and be in it deep and get this word and then all of a sudden, somebody comes to visit. Let's talk. And when they come to visit, now all of a sudden, everything you've been working for years to build up, they tear it up in a week and a half. Can we be honest? It says visiting. As a pastor, I have watched people's houses get visited. And I've watched their houses be plundered in the name of, I just need a break from church. I need a break from serving. I need a break from this. I need a break from that. I'm not beating nobody up. All I'm saying is, well, if you're breaking on God, well, who are you going with? Sounds like maybe there was somebody that knocked at the door. 
I just need a break from faithful giving right now. I just need a, I need a break from all that spiritual stuff. I need a break. I just, okay, then what happened? Somebody came to visit. This is a glass table, so it doesn't do it as good. Oh, that, what kind of door you got? <laughs> Y'all know that police knock. <laughs> Ready? They come knock at the door. Knock, knock, knocking at the door. Now, look, God says, I forgive you, but what's been set into motion in your generations. See, whatever you bind on earth, bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth. What does that mean? God says, I give you authority. So if you're okay with this mess, fine. So I'm like, why wouldn't God block it? Because he gave you authority. Why give you authority if you got to be micromanaged? If you got to be micromanaged, you're the wrong person to do the job. Let's get somebody else. You ready? Visiting. What did I teach you that meant on Sunday? Picard. That's the same word in the Bible for pastor. So that means generational curses visit your house to pastor you. They show up to go get my, uh, my doctoral robe. <laughs> get my old Baptist robe. <laughs> now watch. Now watch. What happens is a curse shows up as a pastor. What's a pastor? A pastor is a Respected figure, should be. Respected figure who brings what? Preaching, teaching, leadership. A curse shows up, and watch me, it disarms you because of how it's dressed. See, if you see certain types of uniforms, you instantly are disarmed. Y'all can tell I got my doctoral robe when I was big juicy. <laughs> I had a chance to get this one cut to be slim fit. <laughs> Look at all that. <laughs> feel like Judge Dredd. <laughs> like I got shoulder pads. Listen, y'all ready? So here's the thing. So here's the thing. So, so, so here's the deal. So, you know, if you see somebody like this, you, you're probably going to say, how you doing, Reverend? In Denver, maybe not, but everywhere... <laughs> And then you're going to be like, they finna graduate? <laughs> I'm just being funny, guys. You, you know, just being funny. If you see somebody dressed this way, you're going to think this. You're going to think, oh, okay. Hey, how you doing, Reverend? You will immediately assume it's valid because of how it's dressed. Come on here, y'all. You will immediately disarm yourself because the visitor looks like they can visibly be trusted. Y'all with me? So what happens? The Bible says visiting uh, the iniquity of the fathers to the children. Thank you to the third and fourth generation. So look at that. Leave it right there. So what's this? What happens is when a generational curse shows up because of how it's packaged, leave it right there, because of how it's packaged, you don't think there's anything wrong with it. You will say, this is how we all are. This is how we all operate. This is how we all do. So what does it do? It preaches to you. It teaches you. It leads you. It incorrectly corrects you. It appoints you. Which, and remember, I gave you that analogy where it'll give you a lower seat. God's giving you a higher seat. It will avenge you. It makes you fight battles that aren't worth fighting. So that you spend all of your time moving laterally, never moving forward. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You literally will spend your whole day just clapping back so that you never actually move forward. 
Come on. You'll spend your whole day. There's some things you need to say that ain't even worth the fight. Why? There's nothing to win. Then if there's nothing to win, it's not worth the fight. All right? All right? Um, to bestow, that means it puts something on you, to give a charge. Remember, I showed you all this on Sunday. To commit, it makes you committed to the wrong things and uncommitted to the right things. And you think it's normal because of how it's dressed. You disarm yourself when you see something dressed in a way that looks like it can be trusted. Do you hear what I'm saying? See, for some of you, okay, y'all ain't ready for this. For some of you, watch me, you have to be very careful that when you marry, you don't think that it's over because you got married. What do you mean it's over? No, the work's just beginning. Mm. Why is the work just beginning? Because you don't know who's about to come visit them and him at the same time. Both of y'all about to get visitors at the same time. And both of y'all better make sure you've been prepared on how to handle when the visitors show up. Otherwise, y'all going to have a whole lot of folk living in your house. So look. Look, come on. It means to oversee. Remember, remember all that from Sunday? I'm going fast because I taught you that on Sunday. To muster what you gather, to care for you. The curse, uh, generational curses will make it seem like they care for you. You're like, this is, this, this is who really cares about me. This is what really cares about me because that's what every good curse does. It makes you love who hates you and hate who loves you. You got me? miss deposit to go see and to hurt the last thing a generational curse does before it leaves is what hurts you because remember it's a destructive pattern of behavior so to destroy means you're going to hurt me and i need you to open your mouth and say don't hurt me, don't hurt me. no more no y'all don't remember that all right so let's look I gave you homework. Y'all remember the homework? Yes, homework came from Proverbs 6, verses 30 and 31. People do not despise a thief. What's a thief? One that steals in secret. And that's how generational curse works. It steals in secret because it's got on a nice robe. You know, let me see. Let me have that. All right. Let me get your phones, your purses, all of your valuables, please. Now, look, here's what a generational curse does. I need you to please pay attention to me. Here's what a generational curse is. Because some of you, you don't even realize, watch me, what the curse is because you justify how you act. So you don't even know what's stealing for you because you're so big and bad trying to, I'm a savage. You all is here. Y'all hear what I'm saying? You so come, you so you're so passionate about letting everybody know you grown that you don't even recognize. Look, the curse got your purse. Let me have your phone. Can you see anything? Oh, you can see my. You can see the purse. Hold up, that's all right. Hold on, hold on, wait a minute. Hold on, wait a minute. Here, here, here me out. Here we go. can't see it now right so so now when you go to look for your stuff you're trying to figure out where did it go where did my passion go your curse got it where did my joy go your curse got it where did my passion to serve the lord go your curse stole it where did my excitement about the future go your curse got it 
Why can't I seem to communicate with the Lord no more? Because the curse got your phone. Are you saying what I'm saying? So now the curse has robbed you in stealth because it disarmed you. So here's the craziest thing about it. You gave it to the curse. You notice she just handed me her purse. He just handed me his phone. Now, why did they willingly give it to me? Because I'm a voice they trust. <laughs> so when a voice that you trust shows up to visit you, so because that thing's been in your bloodline, it disarms you. So when you hear the temptation, watch me, when you hear the temptation to go into another emotional breakdown, it feels comfortable because your curse is like, this is what we do whenever we don't get our way. You can have your purse back. Let me, let me hold how they do what you do in the South. The ladies in the South, that's how they hold it. <laughs> Ain't nobody taking their purse. Do you hear me? <laughs> they be in the grocery store just protect you. You hear me? All right, so I gave you homework. Somebody say homework. Thank you. Proverbs 6, verses 30 and 31. Here it goes. Y'all ready? It says, people do not despise a thief. A thief steals in secret. Uh, uh, steals in secret. If he steals to satisfy his appetite when he is hungry. Verse 31. But if he is caught, and I taught you on Sunday, that phrase caught means what? Solve the riddle. He will pay what? Sevenfold. That means get restitution. Do you understand that? Restitution means payback for everything that was taken during the time of the theft. Now, you can also get something called punitive damages when you get restitution. That means since you were big and bad enough to steal from me, you owe me because you committed a crime against me. And I began to say to you that if you will solve the riddle of looking over your bloodline to see where has your bloodline been empowered to fail, by you asking the question, what were you doing? You were solving the riddle. And when you solved the riddle, what were you doing? You were setting yourself up for restitution. I need you to please act like you heard me. Open your mouth, say restitution starts today. Put a praise on that Wednesday night. Put a praise on that in Atlanta. Put a praise on that in Chicago. Put a praise on that in Miami. Say it starts tonight. Say it starts tonight. So let's get it. Let's get it. Let's make sure. Let me get you your restitution. Let me get you your restitution. So it says if, you, if, if he is caught, that means you got to solve the riddle. You go ahead and put it on. Solve the riddle. All right. Let's get that purse back. Let's get that phone back. All right? And since this thing has been in your bloodline for a long time, let me get your purse, a backpack, or whatever you may have. You know, ladies don't have purses no more. Y'all have, have satchels. <laughs> Y'all have travel bags. Like, you literally drove from work to home. What did you need all of that for? <laughs> get your little coin purse so you can carry so much around. Come on. <laughs> All right, y'all ready? This is good. So it's been stealing in secret. All this is your stuff. You ready? All this is your stuff. The Bible says if I solve the riddle, if I catch the thief, he will pay. Doesn't have an option. 
See, the reason the homework was so important, if you don't even know what I'm talking about, please go back and do it. Then please do it by today so you can partake in this corporate prophecy. I already started getting testimonies today that were coming in. I got one earlier, said $1,000 that somebody tried to hold back from me. They told Come on. And restitution is bigger than money. Restitution is bigger than cash, cars, and clothes. All right? So if I catch the thief, he's got to pay what? Sevenfold. Sevenfold. Seven. Completion. He has to make me complete. You have to make me whole. Everybody that says, I feel like I'm incomplete and I feel like I'm not whole. The answer to that ain't getting into a relationship. That's why you keep coming up in when you, uh, to a dead end when you do it. The answer to that is to find the curse that's been working in your bloodline. Find the curse that's been working in your generation. And then decide to solve that riddle. Because then when you find the thief, what does the Bible say? He will pay me what? Sevenfold. You got to make me whole. Some of you are like, I just don't know, I just, don't, I just feel so incomplete. You, listen, a relationship won't fix that. Money won't fix that. A new car won't fix that. Finding that generational curse is what's going to fix that. And I need you to act like you're the curse breaker in your bloodline. I need you to act like you're the one that's about to solve the riddle. I need you to act like you're the one that's about to be paid restitution. I need you to act like you're the one that... Say it again, I'm the curse breaker. So if I catch him, now here's the deal. He's easy to catch. You can't miss him. Unless you're comfortable with him. If you're comfortable with your generational curses, listen, Bishop, I'm 73. I ain't changing. I'm 60. I'm ch- I ain't changing. I'm 45. I ain't changing. I'm 31. I ain't changing. Bishop, I'm 17 years old. I ain't changing. Well, no, you can't change what you're comfortable with. Because, see, I can't fight who I walk with. (laughs) So if I'm walking hand in hand with my generational curses, then I don't have the ability to actually catch the thief. Why? Because I'm walking with the thief. Which means I got to solve the riddle. And to solve the riddle, I got to put myself in opposition to what's in opposition to me. See, for some of you, watch me, the conversations you've had over the last three days were hard because you had to look at some stuff that you're used to walking with. You have to look at some stuff that you're used to being comfortable with. But the Bible says, if I catch that thief, what does he have to do? He's got to pay me sevenfold. Say, restitution starts tonight. And then I'll say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. It wasn't that what I was doing was the problem. The way I was doing it was the problem. And this generational curse stole my ability to be a problem solver. (laughs) So wait a minute. Now all of a sudden I can see a way to solve the problem. I can see a way to solve the problem. Here you go. Just hold that right over there. All right. Say I'm finding a thief. Come on. I need you to say it like you're actually doing it. Say I'm finding the thief. And then watch me. Watch me. So then, okay, if I find him, he's got to pay me sevenfold. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, the issue actually isn't God. The issue is my approach to him. But the curse made me blame him all these years. When it wasn't him, it was me. 
Wait a minute. Don't look like he got too much more. Wait a minute, though. He's hiding something. He's hiding the most important thing. My ability to communicate effectively. Because the root of every problem is communication. So what the curse wants me to do is shut down. What the curse wants me to do is run. What the curse wants me to do is give up and stop communicating. But watch me, for some of you tonight, you're about to get your communication. You're about to get your ability to communicate correctly back. Somebody say, I'm finding the thief. I rebuke you shutting down. I rebuke you going into anxiety. I rebuke you going into depression. I rebuke you going into fear. I rebuke you going into panic. I need you to open up your mouth and say, I'm finding the thief tonight. Release a praise for that Wednesday. Come on, do it at your house. Come on, do it at your house. Parents, get your kids to praise him with you. I need you to just act like restitution starts. Give me my stuff back. Give me my stuff back. Can I press this? Can I press it? Can I press it? Let's press it. So look, so look. So how do I do this practically, Bishop? So it starts with finding the thief. So let's look at this. Let's go to Leviticus 26:39. I'm doing good. But what I mean by doing good, I'm, I'm staying in this seat. Here it is, Leviticus 26, 39. Leviticus, Levi, to be attached to. The Levitical priesthood meant the Levitical priests were attached to God. Got it? So when we read things in the book of Leviticus, it means attachment to the Lord. Leviticus 26, 39. And those of you who are left shall rot away in your what? Enemies' lands. Because of what? Their iniquity. Where are you going to rot? In your enemy's land. What does it mean to rot? You were living, but now you're dead. For many people, look at me. Starting tonight is going to be the first night of your life where you've actually lived. Because for many of you up until this point, all you've done is breathe. Oh, but I need you to make this declaration and say, I choose to live. Life, zoe in the Greek, overflowing life. It doesn't mean everything's perfect. It just means I'll perfect whatever I'm given. You shall rot away where in your enemy's lands. In other words, that means God says you will rot, but not only rot, you'll rot away in the land of your enemy, which means you never actually accomplish what you wanted to accomplish because you spent all of your time dealing with your enemies. You never got your own land because you were busy fighting them in their land. What does land mean for you and I? Life. You ready for this? Here's the revelation. You will literally spend your life wrapped up in other people's lives. This is, see how I have to just lay it out here? It's a lot of meat in this one tonight. Y'all chewing? Let's go. And you ready? Not just your iniquity but the iniquities of their fathers. They shall rot away like them. So this series of verses begins essentially with God prophesying what happens if you choose not to break the curse. 
He says, you will rot spending your life tied up in other people's lives. That's your life. Your whole life is seeing what Tusi Pop and I'm doing. Who's Tusi Pop? Just, that's just a na- random name. Jolly Rancher and I'm doing. <laughs> Coca-Cola and I'm doing. Everybody look at me. You ever, every, everybody look at me. Do you have somebody in your family that their whole life is being tied up in other people's lives. If you got somebody like that, just do the hand wave emoji, stand up, turn around, do whatever you want to do, throw your hand up. Their whole life, when you talk to them, they ain't doing nothing but talking about what everybody else is doing. I called Darlene the other day, and I, I don't know what she over there doing. You're rotting away in somebody else's life. You've never lived your own. That's why we got so many gossipers. You ain't got no business, so you and everybody else's. And I need you to lay your hands on yourself. Say, I'm getting me some business. Oh, come on, y'all. Say, I'm getting me some good business. Say, say, these next five, I choose to thrive. Let's wrap it up. Here we go. Verse 40. But, no, no, let me, I'm not done with, I can't let it go. Before I let it go. Verse 39, you shall rot away, look at the end of verse 39, like them. So God says, whatever you see in your bloodline that you don't like, if you choose not to break that curse, you will rot like them. God says, I gave you motivation. Come on here. God says, I gave you motivation and I gave you encouragement. What was it called? Them. If that's what you want your story to be, well, then do what they did. But I think I'm preaching tonight to a world full of curse breakers across America and around the world that can say, I'm not judging nobody. I just know I don't want my end to be like that. I'm not judging anybody. I just know I want my life not to go like that. I'm not critical against anybody. We all need Jesus. But I do know I don't want my life to be like that. Okay. Here we go. Let's go 40. But if they confess their iniquity, God says, you're going to have to, here's the first point. I'm going to give you three C's and we're out of here. You're going to have to confess it. Say confess it. What is that? Think, look at the word, think of the word confess. You normally think of confessing when you think of another word that starts with a C, a crime. God says, I need you to admit that that was wrong. And this is where most folks stop the curse-breaking process. Because you justify it. You just won't confess it. Well, you know, I had a whole lot going on. And, you know, it wasn't right. But if you're going to own it, oh, y'all, I will throw this microphone through that camera. Touch yourself and say, own it. And if you're, if you're a woman, say, girl. If you're a man, say, boy. Own it. Now, I'm not saying that in a demeaning way. It's a term of endearment. Anybody that? Own it. Like, don't tell me, but I apologize if. Stop. Stop. I don't want to hear no more. I don't want to hear no more. If means you don't even recognize what you did. 
And this is the problem God has with many people. The issue God has with many people is that your apologies, watch me, have an asterisk after the end of them. Because you're not apologizing because you knew you were wrong. You're apologizing because I said something. You're apologizing because you got caught. Which means you did not confess because the only reason you're doing it is because I caught you. Had I not caught you, you wouldn't have said nothing. I need you to open up your mouth and say, Lord, I confess. Say it again. Say, Lord, I confess. If I offended you, stop. Just go sit down somewhere. If. You know what you did. If I misheard, you know you misheard because that ain't what I asked for. It's quiet in this church. You ready? So here's the problem many people have with generational curses. Is that you won't even confess it. You won't even just own that that was wrong. You won't own that it was wrong, husband, for you not to lead and be mad at her that she wasn't following. Follow you where? Y'all, y'all, y'all ain't. You won't own that it was wrong to be overbearing because ain't no man gonna talk to you like that. Now you didn't raise the generation of daughters and granddaughters that don't know respect nor honor for anybody nor anything. You devour men. You're a monster. Oh, I feel real prophetic in here tonight. You're a monster. You consume men. Emasculate them, then spit them out. And then complain that ain't no strong man. You didn't kill them all, monster. Oh, no, it's a whole lot of amazing, godly, spiritual, loving, leading men. I need you to open up your mouth and say, I'm the curse breaker. Let let me move. This is, I should have saved this. You won't own the fact that the way you've handled your kids. But didn't nobody stop? Just confess it. Well, you know, I just just own it. Y'all ready? Let me flip that. The way you've handled your parents. You won't own the fact that you were Chucky. Chucky. Some of y'all trying to figure out who is that in the Bible? I'm trying to. What scripture is that? That in the scripture, that's a movie. You won't own the fact that you, Michael Myers, with no mask, you got an art against your sister for no reason. Y'all ain't gonna talk. Let's go. Say, confess it. So if your confession goes anything like this, Lord, you know, it was. Here's what God wants to hear. Father, I own what I did, what I've been doing. I didn't know it was wrong. I know it's wrong now. I own that. I own the ugly nature of that. 
I own the fact that I was perpetuating what I was supposed to be. I own the fact that I even thought it was okay. I own the fact that I justified it, wore it as a badge of honor. Like being that way is something to be honored. Everybody open your mouth and say, Lord, I own it. But watch this next part. It gets deeper. Let's look at the verse. Leviticus 26, the latter part of verse, or the first part of verse 40, it says, not only your iniquity, you ready for this next part? And the iniquity of their fathers. In their treachery, treach, in their treachery, that they committed against me. So why did I have you do the homework? So you know what else you have to confess. Not just your stuff, but the stuff you know your mama did. But the stuff you know your daddy did. Y'all ain't going to talk to me now. I'm just reading you Bible. And some of you might say, well, Bishop, I can't get to them. I can't, I can't speak to them. I can't reach them. Listen, let's just be honest. You didn't need to. This just required some critical thinking. That's all it required. You didn't need to sit down and go have lunch. You didn't need lunch for this. All you needed to do is just look back. When I look back over my life, I look back over her life, look back over his life. Why does God want you to do that? Because he needs you to know what you're going to be changing. Which brings us to the second thing. You're going to have to change. Say I have to change. So first I got to confess. Then I got to change. All right. There's only one more scene. We out of here. Is this word blessing anybody? All right. Let's look at it. Let's look at verse 41 of Leviticus 26. So that I walk contrary to them. So God says, if you choose to walk in generational curses, I walk contrary to you. So for some of you, the reason you, you almost feel like, it just feels like, why ain't God helping me? Come on, let's have an honesty moment. How many of us in the last seven months you have said something like that or thought something like that? God, why won't you help me? Help! Because in those moments, in those moments, let me tell you what was happening. So, so pretend like I'm the Lord and you, you. Right, come on. We're walking contrary to one another. Not with one another. We see each other in passing. Hey, Sunday morning, good to see you. Hey, Monday night prayer, good to see you. Hey, Wednesday night live, good to see you. We're walking contrary to another, not with one another. But I need you to make this declaration and say, but from tonight on, I'm walking with the Lord. I'm walking. See, God's not going to come on your side. You're going to have to get on his. Now, he'll come there to find you, but this is Wednesday night. Can I teach you like you mature? At a certain point, you need to stop playing hide and seek. You ready? Can I teach you mature tonight? Okay, we're almost done, guys. We're almost done. Here it is. So I walked contrary to them and brought them into the land of their enemies. So God says, I took you to a place where you would have to fight. This Bible is so good to me. I took you to a place in life where you would have to fight. All my life. Then that means that whole time you've been walking in generational curses. Until tonight. Because <laughs> tonight, what starts? Restitution starts. 
right? So look, he says, I brought them into the land. Here we go. I brought them into the land of their enemies. If their uncircumcised heart is humbled, what does uncircumcised mean? It means it's unchecked. That means you just do what you want to do. Who going to check me, boo? And God says, okay, with that attitude, oh, I'll just leave you out there with them lions and tigers and bears. How's that working out? Oh, my. Okay. How many of us can be honest that if there are some areas of your life where you're like, Lord, you took me right off into the enemy's camp. <laughs> Look, you took me right over there to the Philistines. Dropped me off and said, I'll be back next week, see if she acted right. I'll be back next month and see if he got his act together. I'll be back next year and see if they're going to give me a yes. Come on here. I'll be back next month and see if they're finally going to submit. I need you to just lift your hands and tell them, say, Lord, I'm ready. Lord, I'm ready. Lord, I'm ready. Lord, I'm ready. Come on, y'all. Come on. Say, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I got to finish. Their uncircumcised is humbled. So why does he leave you in the land of your enemies to change your heart? What's your heart? Your mind. God says, I take you there to circumcise, to cut stuff off that needs to be cut off. How do I use it? I'm using you a lot tonight, huh? Okay. Remember, I'm walking contrary to you. That means God says, the way I get stuff off of you that needs to get off of you, you ready for this? The way I get stuff off of you that needs to get off of you is you're going to have a brush up with your enemies. And God says, since you wouldn't take it off, I made them knock it off. Since you wouldn't be humble, I put you in a situation where you asking people for stuff you never thought you'd have to ask them for because I'll teach you. you yeah. I need you to open up your mouth and say, Lord, it worked. Come on, let's finish. Let's finish. Let's finish. Let's finish. If their uncircumcised heart is humbled, that means be in subjection. And they make amends for their iniquity. Now, this is interesting to me. Because make amends there, it literally means, I already gave you the point, to change. God says, I want you to confess it. But then I want you to change it. You know what to change. You know what to change. Like, if your bloodline has a bad picker, in friendships, relationships, cars, houses, food, lunch... Because every choice y'all make, just <laughs> lunch ain't even good. <laughs> Somebody else pick lunch. <laughs> God says, change it. Change it. Change it. Everybody open your mouth and say, I can change it. Verse 42. Then I will remember my covenant with Jacob. And I will remember my covenant with Isaac, my covenant with Abraham. And I will remember the lamb. God says, when you confess, when you change, I'll remember. Not that God forgot, but what God says is, when, to remember, remember, I'll put you back together. Because you're in pieces in your enemy's land. Y'all remember RoboCop? RoboCop, perhaps, is one of my favorite um, tier two movies. Um, what, I'm, what I mean by that is it's not like my top, top favorite, but like, you know, on a Wednesday after church and I'm dozing off, Robocop. Come on here. On a Monday night after my jog, Robocop. 
You got me? You know, it's, it's one of them type of movies where, you know, I know what's getting ready to happen. I already know Johnson's getting ready to go up there to, you know, to, to the man up there, OCP. They're trying to take over Detroit. OCP's still trying to take over Detroit. They got them black police cars, them, them Ford, uh, whatever they had, them, you know. All right, Robocop. You remember one of the Robocop movies? Okay, first off, let's make sure this is gonna work. How many of y'all remember Robocop? Okay, because some of y'all look at me like, I don't know no Robocop. <laughs> I don't know about no Robocop. I know bad boys, Martin. Well, I, I don't know Robocop. So, so in one of the episodes of Robocop, <clears throat> in order to stop Robocop, Robocop was a cyborg. He was half human, half robot. Alex, Detective Alex Murphy. So one time, one time, his, one time is what they had to do. They chopped him into pieces because they said, this is the only way we can stop him. So for many of you, when God says, let's go back to the scripture, when God says, I will remember you, remember you, God says, while you've been in your enemy's territory, it's pulled you into pieces because that was the only way your enemy could stop you. They had this over there, this over there, that over there, that over there. But God says, what I'm going to do is remember you, put you all back together again. So you're going to be able to make it happen. Why can I declare that my next five, I'm going to thrive? Because you're finally coming all back together. I need you to lay your hands on yourself. Say, he's remembering me. He's remembering me. Here's the last C, choose. So you got to confess. You got to change. Here's the last C, you got to choose. Confess, change, choose. You ready for this? So Deuteronomy 30 and 19. I call heaven and earth as witness against you today. Okay? That I have set before you life and death. Here with me, everybody. Blessing and curse. Therefore, he tells you the answer to the test. It's underlined on the screen even. Choose life. So you can live, watch me, and who's after you. Notice he didn't say breathe. He said live. He says, because what you do is setting up those after you. Even if you don't have children, it's, listen, you got nieces, nephews, cousins, play cousins, associates, relatives. God says, what you do now is bigger than you because it will last longer than you. So here's the question. Here's the question. How do I choose life now when for however many years we've been choosing death? How do I do that? Say day by day, choice by choice. So I want to talk this part, then I'm going to preach it. You ready? Examine the choices that you make minute by minute, day by day, week by week. Now, you said, Bishop, that's simple. I know. But notice, it was such a big deal that God says, I'm going to set it in front of you. Because one of those choices is death. One of those churches, uh, choices is, is a curse. The other one is life. And I have to tell you to choose life because choosing death will be easy because it's familiar. I shouldn't, but I'm going to. I'll repent later. And God says, this is so you can live. Because when you don't have those curses on you, 
you don't have anything holding you back and holding you down. You can live. Say, I'm the curse breaker. This shirt says chain breaker. I liked it because if you remember on Sunday, I gave you this analogy and here it is, y'all. And I'm getting ready to close. <laughs> I ain't done it in a long time. So a generational curse is like a chain. It's a chain. I'm holding on to what I think makes me strong. And if I talk crazy, you're going to know not to come at me like that no more. And God says, that's why you keep repeating the test. You haven't learned to be silent. You haven't learned to hold your tongue. You've not learned to put yourself in the seat of the other person. It's quiet. Because I'm telling, that's why it's quiet, because I'm telling the truth. Well, let me lie to y'all then. Y'all, so y'all are shot. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. So here's the chain. You hold it on, you hold it on, you hold it on. And all I have to do is let it go. So look at me, look at me. Well, for all my single people, listen to me. It's, the test will show up again. Different body, same spirit. Dressed familiar. Got the right scent. And here's what God said. God says, now, are you, are you really? Okay, here it is. Because the only way to know, please look at me, here it is. Somebody say, we're getting ready to close. The only way that you know you broke the curse is to be confronted with the curse. Come on, y'all. And for some of you, what I need you to realize is when the test shows up, you'll be able to say, wait a minute. For the last decade, for the last 20, 30, 40 years, I missed that thing. I didn't catch that thing. But this time, you're not going to get me this time. How do I know I'm the curse breaker? I know I'm the curse breaker this time. Because when confronted with the same curse, confronted with the same issue, I looked at that thing and I said, I think I better let it go. I need you to open up your mouth and say, I'm the curse breaker. Say it again. I'm the curse breaker. Say, I'm the interruption to the dysfunction in my bloodline. Say, I'm the line crosser. I'm the boundary breaker. I'm the new beginning. Say it again. I'm the new beginning. Come on, Wednesday, put a praise on it right there. I said, put a praise on it right there. You ain't falling for it this time. You're not going down this time. That same trick ain't going to work this year. That same test ain't going to make you fall this year. That same challenge ain't going to work again. Somebody holler, it won't work. Well, I pray that today's life-giving message has spoken life into your life. I'm Bishop Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church. And at this time, I want to extend an opportunity to you to give your life to Jesus Christ. You know, 2,000 years ago, God stepped in a body. That body was called Jesus. That body got on a cross and died for our sins. Now, sins are things that we do that don't please God. And they ultimately don't please God because they ultimately are very harmful and dangerous to us. 
Not only did he die for our sins, he died so we could have life and life more abundantly. Here's what that means. That not only do we experience God's best, but that we can speak life into other people and use our lives to change the lives of other people. And today, if you need to become a Christian for the first time, the Bible says if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you will be saved or born again or become a Christian. All those phrases mean the same thing. And if today you were far from God, this is your opportunity to reconnect to God. I love him because uh, he's not the God of a second chance. The truth is, is we've all used our second chance already. He's the God of another chance. He offers us constant new beginnings and fresh starts to get things right for him. He gave his life for us so that we could give our lives for him. So today, if you need to become a Christian or recommit yourself to Jesus right there where you're at, I don't care where you're listening to this message, I want you to say this with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Because of this belief and because of this confession, if this is my first time praying this, I am now a Christian. If I was far from you, I am reconnected to you. Great days are here for me. Today is the beginning of the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, you are now a Christian. You're born again. You're saved from yourself. And if you were far from God, you're reconnected to God. And here's what I want you to do. Take out your mobile phone and text the word decision to the phone number 59769. And when you do... I'm going to send you a message right away that's going to show you how to make Christianity your lifestyle and not just a hobby. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. You are connected to me and connected to Harvest Church for a reason. It's because this is the place God wants to speak life into your life. This is the place God wants you to grow and become a strong Christian and and serve and change the lives of other people. So stay connected, whether it's at a physical campus or a digital campus, stay connected to Harvest Church. Keep receiving this word and let it speak life into your life. Hope you have a phenomenal day. Hey, congratulations. Hey, Cricket customers. Max with ads is included with your Cricket $60 unlimited plan at no additional cost. Max is the streaming platform where you can watch Scoob, Meg 2 The Trench, The Nightmare on Elm Street Collection, and so much more. Remember me. Just log in with your Cricket username and password to experience Max on all your favorite devices. We've never seen this before. Max, the one to watch for a good scream with Cricket. Phone plan streams and standard definition. Programming subject to change. Fees, terms, and restrictions apply. See cricketwireless.com for details. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.